Are you ready for this? Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm Corey. I'm Logan. And we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you. Welcome to the Principles Podcast. Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. Hey guys, super excited. If, if you're driving, I want you to grab, I want you to make sure you got that seatbelt on. And if you're not even driving, you better find you a seatbelt because I, our guest today, hey, he's full of passion. He's full of energy, but he's also full of love and compassion for people, uh, full of love and energy for Jesus and to see people come to know Jesus. But he's got an awesome story too. And uh, I want to... Uh, just really excited for you guys to get to know our guest today, Scott Carter. So, Scott, welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan, man. It's so great to be here, Corey. I, I, what a blessing. What a blessing to get to tell my story, which is really his story. Uh, and I love to tell the story of Jesus, man. That's, that's my – that was an old childhood hymn I remember growing up in church. I love to tell the story. And and so, man, that's kind of my theme song right there. That That's the theme of my life. I love to tell the story of Jesus. So it's great to be here today to tell the story. Yeah, he said, that's my jam right there. I like it. That's yeah. it, man. <laughs> well, Scott, all right. So uh, some people who are listening, they may know you uh, through FCA. They also may know you through your undefeated ministries and those kind of things. But some of them may not know who you are. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, uh, what you do, but how you got to this point as well? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, uh, I'll just start when I was saved, okay? Yeah. Because that's when everything changes, right? Yeah. When you get saved. And, you know, I got saved when I was eight years old. Now, I know a lot of people have experiences and they look back and they, they go, you know, I don't know if I got saved or not when I was eight. And, and maybe they gave them everything they, they had when they were eight. But when they were 19 or 20 or they were 30 or 40, they realized there's a whole lot more I need to give them. But I gave them everything when I was eight. And the reason that I know that I was saved was immediately when I gave my life to Jesus, uh, the, I started changing. You say, how can an eight-year-old change? Up until that point, I never thought one second about dying and going to hell. I never thought about anybody else dying and going to hell. I, the reality of, of hell and the need for salvation, I did not ever think about. The moment I got saved, God put a burden on my heart that has never left me. Uh, for the lost, a burden for the lost, to share uh, the good news, to share the gospel, uh, to tell people how to be saved. And I can remember uh, leaving that little small country church, Mount Zion Baptist Church in Hatley, Mississippi, where I grew up. I remember leaving that little country church and all of a sudden, man, I was just so burdened about my family. Uh, did they all know Jesus? Did they Were they all saved? Did, had they been born again? And I can remember thinking about all my buddies and friends at school and my teachers. And I can remember going to school the next day and I couldn't wait for a uh, recess so I could go talk to my teacher about her salvation. And I can remember talking to Miss Hughes and asking her if she was saved and telling her how to be, and, you know, and she assured me that she was saved. And, and I was so excited. And I went out to the playground and I started telling all my friends and sharing the gospel. And I can remember leading my buddies to Jesus right there on the playground, you know, and that's never changed. And so one of the things I tell people, one way to know that you really know Jesus, that you are born again, that you're saved is you're going to care about lost people dying and going to hell. 
you're going to, that's going to burden your heart because if, if, if that's what he cares about more than anything, he cares about all of our hurt. He cares about all of our pain. He cares about all of our problems, but more than anything, Jesus cares about where we'll spend eternity about our souls being saved. He, he cares about us having a relationship with him. And so, uh, you know, I was saved when I was eight, uh, man. And just, you know, I look back and that was just the transforming moment of my life. And that decision I made as an eight year old boy has carried me through a lot of difficulties and a lot of hardships. Um, when I was, when I was a, a, a little boy, and it was around the time I got saved. Uh, I was abused by, uh, an older man in our church and, uh, that scarred and wounded my little heart. And it left an opening for the enemy to come in and accuse me and, uh, and bring shame, uh, against me. And, uh, I, I dealt with that and carried that secretly for years. Um, uh, it eventually manifested in my life, uh, that wound, that hurt, that pain, that shame, uh, from what happened to me, uh, when I was 19 years old, freshman in college, uh, I started becoming very, very depressed. Uh, first time away from home. I was, I was on an athletic scholarship. Uh, I, uh, I, I had everything in the world. I thought that I would need to make me, you know, make me happy and fulfilled. And yet it wasn't, it wasn't happening. And, and just being away from home, I think uh, the stress of that dealing with, you know, being a freshman in college, dealing with, you know, all the stress of being a college athlete, it just, uh, it just, it was a, it was an environment for me to fall into deep depression. And I became chronically depressed, severely depressed. I developed a uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, which I didn't know what, what that was. And, uh, that may be, you know, even more depressed and more filled with anxiety because, uh, I thought I was going crazy. You know, I thought I was losing my mind. I became suicidal and, uh, I eventually left college, uh, as my freshman year, uh, and came home. And after just a really difficult period, I tried to take my own life. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a suicide survivor. Uh, one Sunday morning, I got, I got so bad for you. I couldn't even go to church. Wow. And, uh, you say, a lot of people say, how can a Christian, uh, feel that way? Well, uh, I never lost my faith in God through it. I never lost my faith. Even during this time, uh, this season of my life, I was still, trying to share my faith, but I, and I, I don't, I never lost my faith in God. I think during that time I lost my faith in me. I was listening to the voice of the enemy. I never, I never was taught about spiritual warfare. I didn't know that that's what I was dealing with. You know, I thought, you know, that, that, that every thought that came in my head was just normal, you know, and the enemy, you know, he, he can even make you believe that the thought, all the thoughts you're thinking and all the voices you're hearing are from God. Mm -hmm. and they're not so he's a, the accuser of the brethren he accuses us night and day god's word says so he was accusing me and i wasn't i didn't know i could fight him i didn't know that i had any influence over you know what i was hearing and what i was listening to and so uh that battle for my mind i was losing that battle and it, and eventually i got to where i couldn't even go to church and one sunday morning i thought my mom and dad were at church but i, I didn't realize they were upstairs 
praying for me. They were getting ready to go to church. I thought I was there at, at my house by myself. And as a 19-year-old young man in complete chaos, darkness, agony, I, I became convinced that, that – and I didn't really want to die. I think I wanted relief. I wanted relief from all this pain and all this hurt and all this shame. And so I uh, I had saved up a lot of, of pills. And uh, I was going to take those pills and overdose and take my life. And I was down in our downstairs bathroom and I was crying and just everything was just dark and black. And that's the only word that describes that period in my life is darkness and blackness. Uh, I just couldn't see beyond the pain and the hurt. And uh, this pain and hurt that I had carried since I was, you know, a, a small boy because of what had happened to me. And uh, so uh, I, I started taking these pills. And as I took these pills, I started to feel the effects of the medication uh, and uh you know everything started spinning and everything is just you know i'm kind of starting to check out and go 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 in and out and i'm i'm standing there holding onto the sink and uh crying i'm thinking this is it i'm doing it and uh then all of a sudden in all that darkness and chaos i saw uh, a picture of jesus that hang, that that hung in my grandparents living room and it was one it's a very uh common picture it's jesus in the garden of gethsemane and he's he's looking up into the heavens and he's he you know and the light from heaven's shining down on him and i saw that picture and it was like just a still small voice broke through all of that all those lies all that darkness all that chaos and said uh says scott i love you what are you doing and so I realized what was this, you know, I can't do this. And so I, even though I thought my parents were, were not there, I, I started calling for my mom and dad. And I remember staggering out the hallway and calling help, just help. And my voice was, and, and I saw my mom and dad at the end of the hallway. And I, it was like, I fell into their arms mm. and I just grabbed them around the legs. And I said, Help me. And that was the last thing I remember. Next thing I remember, the next thing I remember, I was in the, the hospital, uh, be it my stunt in the emergency room, stomach pumped out. Next thing I remember, I'm in the back of an ambulance, uh, you know, strapped to a gurney. Uh, and they're taking me to a behavioral health center in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, just was in suicide watch for two weeks ended up being there for months. And, uh, you know, that was the, just the craziest, most painful time, but God began to work in my life and it was the loneliest time in my life. And, uh, I felt forsaken. I felt like my prayers weren't getting any higher than that ceiling. And I, I tell you, brother, I've been in a padded rubber room mm. and, uh, you know, it, it, you know, I didn't have any hope and, uh, it was there in that, that darkness. Now that I look back, uh, I can see that God never left me. He was with me the whole time. And that he was, he was, he was, he was healing. He, he was, it was, it hurt so much to be healed, but he started healing me and he was teaching me so much through all that. And now He's used what the enemy tried to destroy me with. He's using that to help set captives free. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he took he took the worst thing that had happened in my life and turned around and made it the best thing, you know, because that's what he does. He takes what the enemy means for evil and he turns it around and he uses it for good. He takes what the enemy tries to destroy us with, what the enemy curses us with, and he uses it to bless us and bless others. So through that whole process, God began to heal me. And uh, he began to work in my life. He, I learned, he taught me so much about, you know, spiritual warfare, my identity in Christ, who I was in Christ, uh, what that meant, the authority I had in Christ uh, to take every thought captive unto him, you know, uh, to win the victory, win the battle for my mind. And, you know, it was not immediate deliverance. But it was over a process over time. There was a process that God took me through where he delivered me as a 19, 20 year old young man. He delivered me over a period of time uh, and taught me, uh, taught me so much through that experience. And he set me free. They said I would be on medication the rest of my life. They said that I might be in mental hospitals the rest of my life. They said that OCD was something that I struggled with, struggle with the rest of my life. But you know what? Jesus set me free, man. He saved me when I was eight, but he set me free and delivered me when I was 19. And he, uh, he, uh, you know, and I don't know if there's anybody out there listening today that that deals with the battle of their mind uh, that, you know, I'll never forget my mama pulling me over. My mama passed away this past December, but she pulled, she pulled over on the side of the road and she grabbed me one day she just looked me in the eye. She didn't know that she was telling me to do this. She said, son, she said, all of this, you keep giving it to the Lord, but then you keep going and picking it back up. You bring it to him. You lay it down before him, but then you go pick it back up and you carry it. You got to leave it there. And I said, mom, how do I leave it there? You know, people tell us that all the time. Just Mm -hmm. give it to the Lord. Just give it to the Lord. Well, how do you give it to the Lord? How do you get, this is how you give it to the Lord. She said, son, It was the most practical advice that I ever received from anybody. She said, son, she said, every time you have one of these thoughts, one of these compulsions, one of these, these just, you know, sinful, hateful thoughts that that's not from God, you know, one of these accusing thoughts where the enemy's saying, you're this, you're this, you're not this, you're not this, where the enemy's accusing you. She said, you take that thought. And you just, you just say out loud, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think that I've given it to Jesus and he's taking care of it. And I'm going to tell you, I had to do that a thousand times a day to start off with. It was like constantly I'm saying, I've, I'm not, I'm not thinking that I'm not doing that. I've given it to Jesus. He's taking care of it. And do you know, a thousand became a hundred, 100 became 10, 10 became one. And then you know what? There was one day that I was free, brother, completely free. How? By taking every thought captive unto Christ. And so, man, there's hope. If you'll just do that practically, that's how I learned to give it to Christ, to give it to the Lord and leave it there. And so I just want to encourage anybody that's listening today, if you're struggling, if you're struggling with your thought life, and that's where everything starts, right? It starts in your thought life. You know, I've, I've heard you, you know, talk about in your leadership you talk about stinking thinking and you know and how how that 
our, our, our thought life, our, what's in our minds that drives our behavior and determines how we live, you know? So, uh, we have to take every thought captive under Christ to be able to live out the life Christ, uh, has, has called us to, has saved us for, has, uh, purposed us for. And so that was huge. And so anyway, I, I, I come back from that God makes, it's amazing. I look back, uh, I had a, a huge comeback that I had to make. I started back going to college. I, I transferred to a local junior college, Etiwamba Community College, and I walked on the basketball team. And uh, I, you know, after having scholarship somewhere else you know, at Mississippi College, I walked on the the, the basketball team and uh, earned a scholarship and made really good grade. God just blessed my life and he restored me, uh, opened the door for me to go to Millsaps College and continue playing basketball there. Went to Millsaps College played basketball, student athlete, got involved with a ministry called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's a, a college athlete, student athlete. And just, man, I was like, this is my lane, man. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, using the platform of athletics to share my faith. And so I just became involved big time as a, uh, you know, as the college huddle president there at Millsaps, uh, going out and doing ministry in local high schools and junior highs. Uh, going to summer camp, serving as a counselor. Uh, after I graduated from Millsaps, I became a coach. I coached in college, coached in high school, uh, you know, using the platform, you know, of athletics to share my faith. But, you know, when I was about 29 years old, man, God really grabbed the hold of my heart one more time. Uh, it started just, it was a renewed passion for him. Couldn't get enough of, of Jesus, man. Just going after him with everything that I was, and uh, and so uh, I, my church was going to Promise Keepers. This was in October of 1995. My church, uh, the men's group, was going to Promise Keepers, and and I knew we were going to Dallas, Texas, the the old Texas Stadium, and I knew uh, that God was leading me to go there, and that you know He had something for me. There was something He wanted to speak to me. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do something in my life. And so anyway, go out there and it was like a vision quest, you know, that I was on. And so I get there in Texas stadium, 70,000 men singing about Jesus, man, singing how great thou art. Dr. Tony Evans. It's amazing. The first night. And, uh, it was just, but, but I knew, I knew there was something that God had. He wanted to specifically say to me the next day. I just knew that my time was coming. So anyway, we go through the day. We're sitting up at the top of the stadium behind the stage. Um, and they had said the night before, right before the invitation, they gave the, an, an altar call. They said it takes seven minutes to get from the top of the stadium down here to the, to, to the end zone where the stage was. Seven minutes from the furthest part of the stadium. And, uh, and I, I just, for some reason, that stuck in my head. And so anyway, the speaker had all these great speakers, all these great music. And then uh, your guy, Dr. John Maxwell, he uh, he's it's his time to speak. It's in the afternoon. Yeah, those of you familiar with the old Texas stadium, it had the open roof and the sun was shining down through it, you know, and uh, you, there was the, the sunshine on part of the field and then the shadows. Of course, there were there were thousands of men seated on the field and the stands were packed and uh, John Maxwell got up and even when they started playing the intro, I just began to weep. The Holy spirit began to just say, this is it. 
This is it. And Dr. John Maxwell gave a message entitled The Three Chairs. Mm. And uh, he talked about uh, how, you know, in, in biblically, that if one generation is on fire for God, that there's a tendency for there to be a slide to the next generation. And that generation would be lukewarm. And then the next generation tended to not even, uh, not even know God, you know? And so he was talking about that and about how God wants us to be in chair number one, which was the on fire sold out chair for God. That's where he wants us to be. And he's talking about this. And I'm like thinking, man, this is it. That's where God wants me. He wants me totally sold out he won't he's got god god you're calling me to me are you calling me to ministry and it was like god was like i'm calling you scott you gotta sell out man you just gotta you gotta go and so at dr uh dr ritz uh things that was crawford ritz he was the mc host and he he got up and he said you know it's not planned but we we're giving an invitation right now i feel like god's moving in men's hearts all over this stadium. And so I'm, we're having an altar call. If God's leading you to make the decision to do anything and man, you come and before he could even get it out of his mouth, I just, I, I heard the spirit of God just speak to my heart and say, run to me, run to me, Scott, run to me. Like you just, you, like there's nothing else run to me. And so I was weeping, man. And I get up and I just start running. We're at the top of the stadium behind the stage. And man, I run out into the, you know, into the, uh, outside the, the stadium seats until the, there's the ramps. You walk down the concrete ramps and I'm running and I, there's thousands of men answering this invitation. I'm running, pa passing all these dudes, man. And I, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just running after God, man. And you know what happened, Corey? After, uh, after I started passing all these guys, I heard something behind me and I kind of just glanced back and all of the men that I had passed, they were running too. They were running too, and I'm and again, that's a whole message in itself, man. Guys, if we'll just run after God, man, if we'll just go after God with all our hearts, man, there's going to be people that are going to follow us. Yeah, you know. Uh, and so anyway, I've got all these hundreds of men following me. We're running down. Uh, it was almost prophetic, you know. Uh, we're running down. Uh, into the the lower, uh, you know, the lower level. <clears throat> and we're on the 50 yard line and we are going down the steps in, in the lower level, Texas stadium, man, men, 70,000 men to their feet. Uh, they're screaming, they're yelling. They, it's like they're in a ball game, but they're, you know, I'm thinking about that great cloud of witnesses scripture talks about they're standing their feet and I can, I can see them and hear them out of the, my, you know, I can hear them and see them out of the corner of my eye. And they're the guys were, were running by are saying, go, 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 go go and uh so we get down to to the gate to go on to the football field to get answer the altar call <coughs> and so we get down the gates locked and so all of a sudden the men around all the men around start chanting let them in let them in let them in and uh i mean it's surreal dude and so so i look down at the far end and now listen when i was growing up man I was a Dallas Cowboys fan, man. I mean, one of the greatest memories of my young life was my dad taking me to see the Cowboys, Roger Staubach, Tony Dorsett, Drew Pearson, 
all those guys, seeing them play the Detroit Lions. I mean, huge, huge memory. I dreamed of running down that field through those through the light and the shadows, man. I dreamed of that. You know, that, that's so cool how God will allow you to fulfill the desires of your heart when you delight in him, when you go after him with all your heart. And so I look down at the other end, and I see the security guard, and he's waving at us, and he says, come here, come down here. So we run all the way down to the other end. We go down some steps. We end up running out through the tunnel that the Cowboys ran out of, man. Come on. And we're running out. And there's seats on each side of the, the – there's this big, huge path. And God is allowing me to live out the desire of my heart as a young boy. And I'm running out – but I'm not carrying a football, Corey. Man, I'm not running down that field for Jerry Jones or whoever, man. I'm running down that field for Jesus, man. I'm running down that field for my family. I'm running down that field for all of the young men and women that I would have the opportunity to lead to Christ. And uh, so I ran down that field, knelt in the end zone, and surrendered my life to full-time ministry. Man, less than six months later, I'm, I'm on staff full-time with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Wow. And I, I have served with FCA in just about every capacity. Right now, I'm an ambassador with them, um, and uh, which I love. It's like being a free agent, man. I get to just – I get to do what I love. Uh, I'm also uh, – uh, full-time I'm the uh, uh, direct Southeast U.S. director for a ministry called USA Youth Outreach which <clears throat> we're a partnership ministry and we partner with ministries like FCA uh, other evangelistic ministries especially to reach you know of course youth and uh, so we we help them fulfill their mission so I'm I'm with them and man I just I'm an evangelist uh, I go share the gospel uh and uh, God just continues to open doors everywhere. Last night, I was uh, I was speaking to a group of uh, uh, young men, uh, all star uh, high school all star football team here in Mississippi. Uh, the North and the South teams uh, were there, and in a college dormitory lobby, uh, had the privilege to share the gospel, give a gospel invitation, uh, and see seventy eight young men. Uh, respond and a few coaches uh, respond to the gospel invitation uh, and repent of their sins and give their lives to Jesus. And so uh, got to see that happen last night. And uh, man, I've been through a lot of things. God's been faithful uh, through it all. I, I, I'm, I'm just four days out now from a heart surgery. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and God's got, you know, he's got me restored and up uh, recovered up preaching the gospel and uh and so I'm so thankful and grateful. You know, I look back even the last year of my life, Corey, uh, my family in the last year, I uh, got hit by a tornado. Our house got hit in the middle of the night. God protected us. We lost everything, walked away. He got, he put us in a better place, you know, <laughs> totally restored my family, but we got hit by a tornado. My mama died from COVID and then, uh, I've had heart surgery. Uh, and, uh, my daughter had, was diagnosed with cancer, had a successful surgery, removed that, uh, you know, all of that in the last year. But, man, God has been so faithful. He's bringing us through. He's brought us through it all. He's put us in a better place. Uh, you know, it just seems like, you know, uh, I look back even on my life and I look back the difficulties, you know, uh, you know, going through uh, dealing with the anxiety and depression and suicide as a young man and then, Later on, uh, you know, my uh, 
uh, I had, there was a season of my life when I was in ministry that, uh, that I had, uh, a brain aneurysm and it caused me to have a massive stroke. And, uh, a month after that, my youngest son was diagnosed with leukemia. He was three and we spent the next three years at St. Jude and God saw us through all those difficulties. I mean, just because you sell out to Jesus doesn't mean your life's going to be easy, Corey. It's, it's, it's matter of fact, it's going to be hard and the enemy's going to try everything he can to take you out. But man, God is, he's got your back, man. He's got you covered. And if we belong to him, anything that he allows in our life, he promises us in Romans 8, 28, he's going to work it for good, man. He's going to work it for good. He's going to turn it around on the enemy and he's going to use it in your life and other people's life to draw him, uh, to, you know, draw us to him and draw others to him. Uh, yesterday we have family church on Sundays. Uh, you know, we, we, I just believe families need to have church together too. Now I believe we should go to church and we do, but I think we should make it a priority to have church with our families as the spiritual leaders in our household. And yesterday we were just looking back over the last year and just seeing what everything that God has done and what he's brought us through. And, you know, and we, we talked about uh, that scripture in Corinthians where Paul is saying, uh, he's saying, look, he said, man, I am, I am being attacked, but I, I'm not crushed. I'm not destroyed, man. I'm perplexed. You know, I'm perplexed. I'm stressed a little bit. But, you know, I'm not giving up, man. I'm not losing hope. I'm, I'm pressing on. I'm going I'm to keep fighting. He said, because I know that through this, Christ is revealing his, his resurrection in me, his death, burial, and resurrection in me. And he's revealing it to other people, too, through this, you know. And so that's what God does when he, we go through these things. If we'll just give it to him, if we'll just trust him. And it's so hard. I know it's hard. Uh, but we just got to keep giving it to him and uh trust him he's gonna work it out man he's yeah. gonna work it out and so i see god just look back in my life and i just see all these amazing things that guys done and, and and man so many amazing experiences man get to preach the gospel and go all over the country and do things and see things and and share the gospel with with people that and only god can put me in front of those people you know what i'm saying yeah. it's only god it's only God. And uh, so I just give him the glory for it all, man. I give him the glory. I give him the praise. He's worthy, man. He has, he has given me the best life, man, the yeah. best life. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be able to share that today. So anyway, I'll let you ask some questions now, man. Yeah, No, no, man. That, that is awesome. I, there, there are definitely some things that stood out that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I want to go back to really, because, you know, your story, I think, is very powerful, and there are probably some people who may find themselves in the same situation that you found yourself in, but maybe they they don't have that kind of hope or, or whatever, and I want to go back to that here in just a second, but there was something that caught my attention. You talked about a vision quest, kind of going to Dallas to the promise keeper. There was something yes. inside of you. There was something kind of drawing you. I, I believe that all of us have had some kind of experience like that where we know that God is speaking to us. You you may not be a Christian. You, you may not have grown up in church and even know that kind of language, but there's something in you that's kind of drawing. And it's yes. interesting as you were talking about that, that you could, you had language for it, that you knew it was God drawing you. And, um, it made me think back to Old Testament where Moses, he's out in the wilderness and he catches the, you know, the, the bush is burning, but it's not burning, right? It's on fire, but right. it's not, not burning up. Right. 
And it's like one of those things like, huh, interesting. And, it, and scripture says that once he gave his attention to it, that's when God started speaking. He didn't, right. he didn't speak and that caused him to turn his attention to it. But it, it made me think that you had this drawing that you were feeling it and it, it, you gave your attention to it. And then God spoke. God shared it with right. you. And I think, you know, those drawings that are in us, if we'll just give our attention to it and open our ears, open our eyes, whatever, allow God to speak through that. You hear what, what you're really looking for. That drawing will become clear. And uh, anyway, that was something that stood out to me. You said, well, well, Corey, you know, scripture tells us that no man can come to God unless he draws them. Yeah. And and so, you know, he's drawing us constantly, yeah. whether we're aware of it or not. He's drawing us. He's putting he's putting uh, us in situations to, to speak to us, to show us things. Uh, I mean, whether we we believe in him or not, he's doing it. man. Mm -hmm. uh, what we have, I think there, there comes a point uh, where we all have to make a decision. Uh, are we going to be open mm -hmm. to what God's saying to us? What God's are we open uh, to something bigger than ourselves. And of course we know that what's bigger than ourselves is God, but a lot of people don't know it's God. They, they just know there there's something, you know? And I think, I think I really, I'm a firm believer that whatever truth is revealed to you by God, if you'll respond to that, if you'll respond to that little bit of truth that he'll, he'll, that, that means you get, you're giving him permission to reveal more to you. Yeah. And he will keep on. He will continue and continue until he draws you into a real relationship with him. And you can know God. You can know the God of the universe. You can know the one who created you, who created you with a purpose, who who, who created you with a special plan. You can know that God. Yeah. If you would just say, you know what? I'm going to open my heart. Where's the, What are you showing me? God, if you're out there, if you're real, Lord, show me. Show me. Speak to me. Reveal yourself to me. And I, I just really believe if, if, you know, you might not be ready to say, Jesus, I, I give my life to you. I, man, I, I believe 100%. I'm all in. I'm, I'm, you know, you might not be at that place. But if you'll just say today, I'm open. Yeah. I'm open. I want, I want to know. If you're out there, if you're real God, show yourself to me. You know, I don't know any true atheists. I know a lot of people that claim to be atheists. I have a lot of friends that are atheists. Okay. I come in contact with a lot of people. And, uh, and when I really get to know them and get to and hear their story, most people that I know that claim to be atheists, well, just everybody, not just most everybody, what it boils down to is something's happened in their life. Mm -hmm. so, or some some things have happened in their life to them to someone they love or care about yeah. there's some questions that just haven't really been answered very well and they and they 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 basically make this decision they say you know what god i'm so mad at you mm -hmm. because you allowed this to happen or because this happened or you, you know, this, you know, this, this is going on. I'm so mad at you. I'm so angry at you that I choose not to believe in you. I, I'm just going to decide that you're not real. And so, man, he's put it in all of our hearts. He's written it in our hearts. 
we are, I mean, you look at creation, man, and you, you can see that there is a God. Yeah. There is a God. There is a creator. There is a planner. There is someone that put that made all this and put, I mean, it just doesn't happen. It can't. That's illogical, man. Yeah. That's, you know, this, the order that we have cannot come out of chaos. Mm-hmm. It just, it can't. So there is someone there is, and, but most people that claim to be atheists are just mad at God. Yeah. They're mad at God. And uh, I just want you to know if you're out there today and you're going, man, I don't believe in God. I'm, and, and, you know, or you're out there and going, I'm mad at God. You know what? God's not mad at you. <laughs> And you might not believe in him, but he believes in you. And he created you. He knew you before anybody did. You were When he formed you in your mother's womb, he created you with a purpose and a plan. And that, that the only way you can, can know that purpose and plan is to know him. Mm-hmm. Is to know him. And he wants you to know him. And he wants to know you. He believes in you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's not angry at you. He's mad at you. He, you're not the enemy to God. He wants to be your friend. And so uh, he loves you and he proved it. And that's the thing that I love. I love Romans uh, 5.8. Romans 5.8, man, is so good. It said, it says that, uh, that God proved his love for us, that while we were still sinners, when we didn't believe in him, when we rejected him, when we were angry at him, when we wanted to live our life on our own terms, when we wanted to be God of our lives, when we wanted to do what we wanted to do, when we did everything in opposition to him, that while we were still sinners, God proved his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God gave his only son, his most precious son, his, the, I mean, the, 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 his most valuable possession his only son he loved us that much that he would give him to take our place on a cruel cross that should have been ours to die a sacrificial death to die but be raised from the dead and give us hope and give us eternal life and give us the opportunity to relationship with him he gave his only son he gave i i I love everybody i one thing i think if you love jesus you gotta love people Corey. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you don't love people, you don't love Jesus, man. And so I love people, but there is no way I would give. I have four children, two grandchildren, and I, just, I there's no way I would give one of them for somebody that I knew wouldn't believe in me mm-hmm. or would hate me and would reject me. But, you know, God's still dead. And if you would have been the only one, he would have done it, man. He would have done it. He would have sent Jesus. If you'd have been the only one that needed salvation but we all need salvation yeah and so anyway i got yeah uh i know scott just got kicked off and i'm sure he'll be back on but one of the things that scott said that stood out to me is i didn't lose my faith in god i lost my faith in myself and uh what i found so powerful about that is i found myself there as well where you know the faith and trust in Jesus did not leave, but I felt like uh, I've listened to the voice of the enemy that's caused me to lose trust in myself. And I just thought that was so powerful with what he said. I thought what, what Scott was saying was really, I'm back, brother. 
that's all good. I was just kind of uh, kind of talking a little bit, and I was I was saying to those that are listening, one of the things that stood out to me is you said I didn't lose my faith in God. I lost my faith in myself, and I thought that was really powerful. But I thought you gave a very practical, or your mom did. I thought something very practical because we we hear it all the time of well, just give it to God, lay it at the foot of the cross, and yeah, that's great. What does that even mean, right? And but I love what you said. It's so practical. How do you do that? Well say it out loud. You say it out loud. And I love what you said. She said, I'm not going to think about that anymore. I've given it to Jesus and he's taking care of it. Why, yes. why that is so powerful is in Ephesians 6, it talks about the, the, the armor, right? And it says right. the sword, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Well, that word, word right there is the word rima, which is the spoken spoken word whenever it comes out of our mouth then it becomes a weapon of warfare and you talk about yes. spiritual warfare the authority and the power that we have in jesus christ we have authority over that and and scott i you know my background is in business and in leadership the secular business world understands this better than the church they they, they uh not necessarily the spiritual warfare but the power of the spoken words um we we do this uh there's a book called Think and Grow Rich, right? It's a secular right. book written in the mm-hmm. 1930s. And anyway, one of, the, one of the things in there about how to be successful is you create a vision statement and you speak it. You speak it out loud every day, right? And, and the right. secular world understands this, but the church, I think we've kind of, we don't understand the power. There's much more power and authority uh, with us because we have his spirit with us and those spirit-filled words when we speak, Speaking out loud, they become weapons of warfare. So, man, I thought that was that was awesome. So, I thought that was good. Nice. Uh, awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. One one thing I would love to go back to real quick, and I know we're coming up on your your time. There is is um, kind of that 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 mindset piece right there as well, and. Um, I've read all kind of studies about how many thoughts we have and taking each thought captive. And how important that is. And even Solomon in Proverbs, he says, above all else, guard your heart. Where your heart is that that inner part of you. If you want to call your subconscious mind or your heart of hearts, whatever you want to you call that thing, but it's where your beliefs are, your opinions and all that stuff. And if we don't station a guard at the post, then those thoughts just kind of keep on replay. And I've, I've right. read all kinds of studies and there's studies that show that on average, we have between 30 and 60,000 thoughts per day. But the one, the one stat that really stands out to me is that 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts you had the day before. But they're the same thoughts mm. you had the day before. And if we're not taking thoughts captive, then those thoughts that you were having that your mom said, take out loud, you know, say out loud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just allowing them to play on repeat, repeat. Exactly. Repeat. And that's what obsessive compulsive behavior and thoughts that's where it starts with your thoughts yeah and and i and that's why i love what, what you said right there and your mom you're just putting a pause right you're, you're mashing on that that thing that's on repeat right there you're putting a pause on it that's right and, and you're speaking truth out loud you're saying i'm not going to believe in that this is the and, and and Corey, there was one thing i did leave out you know that my, my mom would say and when you do that then you 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 fill your mind with something else, mm. something positive. You go do something. And this was one thing that my mom and dad did that healed me so powerfully. Uh, I was home from, you know, I wasn't in college. All my friends were in college. Uh, 
here I'm home, you know, not in college, trying to recover from this, you know, what I was going through. Uh, had a lot of time on my hands, which is not good. Uh, so my mom, one of the things my mom and dad, one day after I came home from, uh, from uh, you know, the rehab there from the behavioral health center, uh, they, they came walking in and my dad had all these baskets and he had all this fruit and all this candy and all, you know, and he was like, uh, he was like, okay, son, I want you to make up these baskets, these fruit baskets. And, uh, I want you to take, uh, one to all of our neighbors and see them. I want you to take, I had, my grandfather had like 19 brothers and sisters and he was like, I want you to take one to all your great aunts and uncles and, uh, all the older people in our church. I want you to take, I want you to go visit them and take one of these to them. And I'm thinking, why in the world do they want me to do this? You know, I mean, that's good, but what it was, but now I look back and what they were teaching me was uh, there's healing. When you take your eyes off your own self and put it, put it on, put them on others. When you start seeing others uh, and when you start living and for something bigger than yourself, and serving others, just serving, being a blessing to others. And, you know, as I began to go visit them and just love on them and and spend time with them and, and just bless them with a small gift, uh, that healed something in my heart, Corey. Uh, it, I took my eyes off myself and I, 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 I was, you know, it's all about serving, isn't it? It's about serving and it, it's not about us. And, uh, that was one of the things. So that's how I substituted uh, all those negative thoughts, all of those uh, destructive thoughts. Uh, not only did I, you know, I take authority over them and ask and, and just say, I'm not thinking I've given that to Jesus, but I started substituting and, and, and the word of God, the word of God, man, as I, I started getting the word of God in me, I was able to fight the enemy with the word of God. That that's the number one thing, man. I can't leave that out. I mean, the more word I got into me, in me, in my heart, the the better I could fight. Yeah. See, I think that's one reason the enemy wants us to be so ignorant of God's word. And he he'll let us, he'll let us sing, he'll let us pray, he'll let us go, he'll let us do. But man, when it comes time to get in God's word, he's gonna fight us tooth and nail, man. It's gonna be so hard because he he's afraid of the word. That's what Jesus used to fight him at his weakest moment. The word. Every time the enemy came at him, Jesus himself said, It is written. It is written. And so, man, the word, that's just getting that word in in your heart. And uh so that's gotta that's another huge thing. But we've got not only we we have to stop thinking certain things but we need to start thinking other things and uh so anyway i all of that is how god healed me set me free that's important so stopping the replay and then filling it in with the truth i like that's it that's it so scott i i want to i want to i want to uh kind of backtrack one more time Mm -hmm. last little piece right here You, you 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 had an experience, something that that wasn't ideal, right? And I agree right. with you. I've talked to several people, most people who are atheists or struggling with life or whatever it is, it comes back to some something that happened in their life. Something mm-hmm. happened. And, I, you know, 
you, you said that the enemy used that as a doorway and I, you didn't say it, but I'm assuming a lot of that doorway was shame and guilt. Like I'm shame not, I'm going to hold this in. I'm not going to tell it to anybody because I've got so much shame. That's right. That's but, right. But in the enemy will try to trick us and saying people are going to make fun of you, man, they're going to think this about you, but there is some power on releasing that, getting, getting somebody that you trust. And, oh, man. and can you, can you speak into that? Because I think. Yeah. Just bring in darkness to light, yeah. bring in darkness to light. See, as long as we, as long as the enemy can keep us in darkness, man, he's got, he's got control of us. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that shame, that guilt, uh, about what happened to me that the enemy said you can't tell anybody about that because they'll think this and you won't be loved and you won't be accepted and you'll be rejected and also uh because this happened to you he started lying about who i was this is who you are because of that and and this is who you you know and, you, and nobody is, is going to love you because of what happened to you and because this is what it's made you and which all of it was lies so when I, when I finally brought that darkness to light and started sharing that in a, in a safe place with people I could trust, uh, they were Jesus to me, you know, they were Jesus with skin on and, uh, they loved me through that and they spoke truth and every lie of the enemy, they, they said, no, that's not, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. Uh, you know, we know condemnation is not from God, yeah. uh, Conviction is from God, but condemnation is not from God. And uh, conviction says, you know what? You messed up, uh, but man, I love you. I love you so much. And, you know, just get up and follow me. Uh, condemnation says, oh, you messed up too bad. There's no way. There's no way. You might as well give up. Uh, and so just living in condemnation, when I started bringing that, that guilt and that shame and the lies that the enemy and so, so many of those lies were just totally, uh, irrational, you know? And when I brought that, that lot, those lies, uh, that darkness into the light and exposed it to God's word and to God's truth, it, I was set for, I was set free. And, uh, I think, uh, it's so, if there's somebody that you can be honest and real with, uh, it's so important. And, uh, and so, you know, it takes trust. It takes, you know, just saying, just saying, God, help me. You know, I need you, you know. And Scott, I got one quick question. Then I'll, I want sure. to kind of recap real quick. Um, if you have a number, maybe you guess, maybe it's a guess. How many, how many salvations have you seen through some of your ministry? Any number? Yes. Oh, I would be afraid to guess, you know, uh, you know, us evangelists, man, we speak evangelistically sometimes on yeah. numbers, and, but uh, man, I've been, I've been preaching the gospel now since October of 95. Well, really since I was a little boy, you know, when I was eight sharing the gospel, but I would say since I surrendered to ministry in 1995, uh, wow. I, I mean, it's tens of thousands for sure. I mean, you know, I, I really don't know because I mean, God's allowed me to just, he, you know, he's allowed me to stand on stage and, you know, I was a tour evangelist with some, some Christian rock groups uh, for a few years. And, you know, he allowed me to stand on the stage with 10,000 people and share the gospel. And, 
and see people come to Christ and, you know, just school assemblies and in churches and at ball fields and in locker rooms and at youth groups and at camps and, you know, just mission trips. And, you know, it, I, I'd be afraid to even give a number, but it's, it, it's, it's so, it's, it's just overwhelming that God uh, would, would give me the chance to do that. I'm living my dream, man. A lot of people don't get to live their dream. I'm living my dream. Uh, every time I stand up, show the gospel, I'm yeah. living my dream. So I'm so grateful and so thankful. And I just give him the glory for it all. And yeah. Uh, yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, the reason I asked that is this, that's, it, it wasn't exactly about necessarily the, the number, but the souls and, and tens of thousands of people through your ministry have had a, had their current life changed, but their eternity changed, which is going to change generations. The reason I wanted to say that is your story there, something happened, right? That wasn't right. ideal. And, and, and there was restoration, there was regeneration, there was hope put back in, and there were some decisions to follow Jesus that changed the course of history for a lot of people, tens of thousands of people. And I really just wanted to pull that out, that if you're listening, one, you haven't made that decision, hey, there's no better time now. But also, if you're really struggling that that thing that kind of Scott was talking about, then find you somebody that is that is trusted, that that cares about your uh, your life, that wants to help you with that because you are valuable. And and Scott had that change of direction. Just think about the lives of the people that he has impacted by having that that change, right? And you have the potential as well to do that. And I, I just really want to encourage you. I thought that was that was powerful and so so honored that you'd come on and share your passion and your love, Scott. It made a big impact. And one last question, Scott, for those that are listening and maybe they they want to reach out to you to say, man, I want you to come speak to my my team or uh, ball team or my men's group or my church or you know what I don't have a have a group like that maybe it's a business I want you to come in and speak to my business but I'd love to support you financially <laughs> any any way to support or how do people reach out to you what's the best way for people to contact you I think through my email and okay. uh, I can give you that it's a uh, scott it's all lowercase scott dot reach one r-e-a-c-h and the number one Scott.reach1 at yahoo.com. At yahoo.com. So um, Scott.reach1 at yahoo.com. We'll put that in the, the show notes. Scott has done an amazing job. He's a great speaker. He's come to one, the church we, we were attending, but we also did a worship in the park event that he spoke at, had 500 people there in a small little uh, park, and there were about 50 people or so that made the decision to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It was amazing. We saw healing take place, and it was amazing. So uh, if you want to reach out to Scott, uh, scott.reach1 at yahoo.com. So, Scott, man, I appreciate you coming on. You've added a ton of value today, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Corey. I love you, man. I love how God's using you, and uh, so good to team up with you. And just, hey, praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for taking a listen. If this has added value to you, make sure you share this. I feel like this is a shareable one that needs to get out. So feel free to share. Uh, and if there's something that Scott said that stood out to you, make sure you comment in uh, the comment section right there. And, and I'll make sure to get that to Scott. So we appreciate you guys. Hope this has added value to you. Hope you have a great day and God bless.
Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. As you go about your day, remember to ask yourself, as a parent, child, sibling, business owner, customer, boss, teammate, would you recommend yourself, audit yourself, and change your life? Hey guys, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, take a moment, please subscribe, give us a rate and review on your listening platform, and hey, we value your feedback, and it helps others find us. Are you ready for this?